Welcome to the Steam Ahead podcast. With about 75% of the fastest growing occupations requiring skills in science, technology, engineering, arts and mathematics, career chats with young people is essential for increasing participation, ability and aspiration in these careers. This podcast shares stories from men and women with careers in STEAM so that young people can be informed on how to shape their future. So, join your STEAM Ahead host, Jessica Carl, who explores actionable insights and tips that young people can apply to achieve success and confidence in choosing their career path. Hey everyone, and welcome to this week's episode. Increasing young people's curiosity and aspiration into STEAM starts with these conversations, which is why I'm excited for our career chat with Peter Price. Peter is an Executive General Manager Engineering, which means he is accountable for asset safety and performance and corporate strategy at Energy Queensland. As a leader, he is passionate about developing people, creating a better energy future and a better environment for Queensland communities. In school, Peter did Maths A and B, Chemistry, Physics, English and Technology, and we're excited for him to be joining us today to speak about his career as an engineer, leader and executive. Welcome, Peter. Hi Jess, great to be here with you today. Absolutely excited to have you as well. Can you tell me a bit more about what you do in your role at Energy Queensland? Sure. Um, my role at Energy Queensland is is first and foremost to, um, uh, I suppose, lead a team of about 500 people. Um, and you've talked about the accountability. So, so those accountabilities range from setting the corporate strategy um, and working with the board and the other executives to make sure we've got a corporate strategy that everyone buys into. Um, and there's a fair bit of collaboration across the, the different parts of the business to get that because Energy Queensland's a big business. We've got, you know, $24 billion worth of assets. We've got a retail an energy retail business. We've got a growing energy services business. So there's a lot of diversity of, of activity there. And, um, yeah, then within the engineering side, you know, I'm, I'm sort of official effectively the chief engineer here. So, you know, the, in a time when technology is changing so rapidly and you've got so much uh, opportunity to use distributed energy resources, IoT, it's about driving a, a direction that says get the best out of you, you can out of the assets and increasing leverage technology to get better outcomes. That's um, it's a, lot of, a lot of words, but uh, that's, that's in a nutshell. It is a lot of words. And for those who don't, have a grasp on what corporate strategy entails. Yeah. What are some of the key components that make that up? Well, I mean, I think you know, if businesses, plenty, of, plenty of people would know that some businesses just disappear. Um, and uh, that why do they disappear? I mean, I think um, you know, the, cam- the camera manufacturers have disappeared because they didn't see the fact that everyone was going to use a mobile phone to take pictures. So, in in the energy sector. Strategies about making sure that you you look into the future and set a direction for the company that helps to ensure the company is successful. I suppose my my perspective on that is people ask me what what life's going to look like in twenty thirty, and I say I don't know. What I do know is that you have to be ready to respond to change, and I like to be a little bit proactive about that as well. So it's about taking the steps now that to take you in a general direction. So we have set a clear vision for 2030, where we want to be by 2030. And let's let's say that that's encapsulated by delivering what customers want, enabling 50% renewables, making sure the network's safe, that sort of that sort of approach. 
and we want to proactively try to facilitate that as well. So it's not just sitting back and waiting for it to happen. It's about it's about uh, engaging with regulators, engaging with customers and stakeholders to try to make that happen. So we've got um, we've done some work on scenarios. So the, the the path between here and 2030 might be a straight line. So we did some work with um, CSIRO to come up with some scenarios, uh, and now it's about uh, once you've got that strategy. It's then about taking steps to help execute the strategy. So for me, it's about flexibility. It's about having a scenario. It's about having a clear vision for success. And then it's about translating that into concrete, manageable steps that help you take you down that path. That's a really good synopsis of what corporate strategy is. And considering the awesome career that you've had, which we're going to learn about in a second, I'm keen to go right back to the very beginning around the foundation of how you get into corporate strategy. And we're going to do that by talking about your subject selection at school. Okay. And I know that, you know, science and mathematics was a big focus for you. Yeah. Can you tell me a bit about why you chose these subjects back then? Yeah, look, back then, you know, my parents were uh, uh, hardworking. My father was an electrical contractor, so I spent my early days in the Southport depot of SEAQ, which was the Southern Electric Authority of Queensland. So at an early age, I was exposed to the electricity industry and I was very laser-like in my focus of being an electrical engineer. So, you know, I checked out what I needed, what subjects I needed and what I needed to get to university and I did those subjects and I worked really hard to make sure I did got the best result possible to make sure that I could get into university and become that electrical engineer that I wanted to be. So from a very young age, you were absolutely sure that you were going to go into engineering? Yeah, I was. I could, I could, you know, I, in those days that we had tertiary entrance scores, and um, I actually put doctor down as my second preference. Can you believe that? But uh, there you go. I, I never really had any doubt that I was going to be an electrical engineer. And would you say a lot of that influence came from the dad and being around that type of environment? Uh, no doubt. There is absolutely no doubt. Um, my parents were really supportive. Um, you know, I was brought up in that electrical world and um, you know, my dad ran his own company and, and he, he sort of pushed me into the space of, of uh, doing engineering to stay out of the midday sun, to stay out of the, the, the physical physical challenges of digging trenches. So he made sure I dug, dug trenches in my, in, my, in my vacations to make sure that I stayed focused on, on study. And, um, yeah, so there's no question my parents had a big part to play. And they sound like they were very supportive parents as well. Definitely. And I know that you grew up at the Gold Coast and in your spare time you played quite a lot of tennis. I did. Competitively. I did, yes. As I understand. Can you tell me a bit about who Peter was in school? Like what was Peter passionate about? What was Peter looking forward to in the future? Yeah, it's it's, at school I I sort of, um, you know, I just wanted to be one of the boys to be honest. Like, you know, I played sport with the the other guys in the class because it was a, you know, unlike unlike today, it was a very like my class was a very male dominated world. Like you know, it was you know not with was very much uh, you know people doing maths and fit maths and physics was very much a male dominated world, which was which was a, a limitation. Some of it, there was a we only I think we only had six six girls in the class. Um, they were always the smartest ones. Um, but at the end of the day, I just wanted to be one of the guys. We, we played sport at lunch. But uh, in my, my life was pretty much could be distilled down to studying when I needed to to pass exams. Mm-hmm. When I wasn't studying, I was playing tennis um, and, and organising tennis uh, teams. Um, at school, 
I just wanted to be one of the one of the one of the guys, and and I actually spent a fair bit of time. I was always been passionate about helping helping people and and fixing things. So I would have spent a fair bit of time helping other people when I was at school as well. Hmm. And it sounds like you've got that teamwork element from being with the guys, and then in tennis, you've got all these great you know sport skills that you've brought into your career. Yeah, I mean, I I think you know work. It doesn't matter. Where, what you do, whether it's whether it's um, sport or work, you all you always end up doing it with other people, and and um, you, you know you got to you got to learn, you got to take your experiences and learn from every opportunity you can, and and certainly I learn a lot about different people and and how how they approach um, life just by organising tennis teams, which is hard to hard to hard to sort of realise how important that was but because I didn't realise it at the time, but I do now. And I think that foundation, like you spoke about, you know, digging trenches with your dad and having the foundation of a good sportsmanship, these are all things which make up who we are from a very early age. So I was keen to talk about what that pathway was when you transitioned from school to university and then to industry. Could you tell me a bit more about what happened in that process? Yeah, sure. I, I, I headed off to university as uh, as um straight out of school and uh, I spent four years at University of Queensland and um, I very much was very you know, focused on on the engineering side of things so I did first year was a, a sort of general engineering degree where we got exposed to the other streams of engineering um, you know chemical and mechanical and civil and electrical those were the those were the choices at the time and um, you know I naturally enough I went straight to electrical engineering and spent uh, four years doing that um, yeah, you know, I sort of got involved in some of the some of the campus politics stuff more from fun than 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 anything serious, and um, you know I was part of a part of a college fraternity there, so we played a bit of college sport and stuff like that. Um, I still kept playing tennis, so I still had life outside of um, of study, and I really do think that was important. You know, like you having having that external world to make sure you maintain a you know a bit more more balance in your life I think has stood me in good stead and I've continued to do that all the way through my career when I when I got to fourth year I was lucky enough to get um you know actually at the end of third year I actually did a did a thesis on um well, I did a I did some vacation practice on 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 transformers sounds pretty sounds pretty boring but I spent 12 I spent an, I spent eight weeks at a factory a transformer factory and got to I, I learned a whole bunch of stuff that I didn't know, and I actually got to pick my own thesis subject. That's awesome. So I wrote wrote a thesis subject on on a particular type of transformer, which then got published as um, you know a paper was published on the back of it. So it was pretty interesting stuff. Um, and anyway, at the end of fourth year, I was um, invited by CWEB at the time to do a post grad course, like a master's degree, uh, and then come work for them when I finished. So um, yeah, I did that. I uh, did a postgrad uh, course on um, lightning protection, which was completely different from transformers, and and it's been one of those things that you know my career's sort of done a. I've got I've done one thing, and then I've got got good at that, and then I've got and I thought I loved that, but then I went and did something else, and it turns out that I I think the reality is I just like new challenges and and applying technology and working with people to get to to make a difference. So. Uh, in um yeah so I I did the did that uh, the master's degree finished that and came enjoyed the graduate program at um at Seaweb 
and uh, did the graduate program and ended up as chief engineer. That's definitely a very interesting career milestone that you've had there. And looking at all the practical elements that you got in your studies, how relevant would you say that is in our day and age? Yeah, I, I, um, I think that my perspective is that the stuff that you learn when you're at school and when you're at university is important uh, because it does provide you with some underpinning um, knowledge that you need. I think for me, though, it's more about having the confidence that you can learn new things and tackle new challenges because it's pretty clear that the technology that I deal with today wasn't, um, a lot of it wasn't in existence um, when I started. I, when, I did a, when I did a master's degree, the computer that I used was a, a PDP-1140. It was the size of a fridge and it had a floppy disk that was about 15 inches around and it had way less computing power than the watch most people have got on their arm. So, you know, for me, I think that um, school's important and getting good marks is important. Building confidence that you can, you can learn new things and tackle new challenges is really what it's about. And coming from an era of a floppy disk, I think a lot of our listeners would have to Google what that means. Yeah, well, Google, Google a floppy disk, but um, I, I think even a lot of listeners like, might, not even remember, might, might not even remember digital, digital disks as in the as in the the v, the VC the VCR disappeared, and then you had DVDs, and now DVDs are gone, and and we use the cloud. So, uh, for those of you who don't know, look look up a PDP eleven forty and and what sort of floppy disk you needed to boot it. You heard it straight from Peter's mouth. And then you've also done all these other things outside your role at Energy Queensland. So yep. you've been a member of the Energy Networks Australia. Yep. You're the chair, or you were the chair of Energy Skills at. And you're also the deputy chair of TAFE Queensland. I was keen for you to talk a bit more about your industry involvement outside Energy Queensland. Sure. I am um, a sort of, you actually think about modern society. There's a few things that you absolutely need for modern society to exist. One's energy and the other one's education. Because if you've got energy and you've got education, you can pretty much get everything else. Um, I am, um, look, for a whole bunch of personal career reasons, I needed to build a, a broader network. And um, I, I, I did get the opportunity to join a TAFE um, back 15 years ago or something. And, and it was really it was really interesting to get involved in a different industry sector. And um, it broadened my understanding of, of, of industry and got me working in a completely different environment. And um, the people in the TAFE sector were great. And, um, yeah, since... That, that sort of led into Energy Skills Queensland, and I have so I have spent and built a pretty pretty parallel path career to my my engineering career in that in that training training space. So um, yeah, I, I, I sort of something that I'm passionate about as well in terms of continuing to make sure that we develop the skills that we need for the future, and um, you know the skills that. That our young people will need to be successful in the future, in particular, and and I'm clearly focused on the energy sector are going to be so different, um, and being able to create a future that's got yeah more nimble, more flexible, um, able to take yeah to sort of conceive a new new things and and to bring back bring disparate ideas together and and, and put it together to create a new solution because engineering is about creating solutions, it's about taking technology and creating solutions so. Yeah, I think I think helping to make sure that we've got the right education frameworks to create 
they'll, they'll, these both the people leaders of the future and the and the thought leaders of the future is is it worthwhile? Absolutely. And I think your point around key skills is also very important because being agile in our day and age with so much technology, you've got to be able to shift between different tasks. So thinking about some of those key skills for the future, what's your perspective on, I guess, the top ones that you would encourage students to look into? Yeah, engineering is one of the one of the professions that really does use the the STEAM subjects. And and a lot of engineers and they would would say, yep, we've got to be focused on this new technology, and that's true. But I, I think the thing that um, has been most helpful for me is has been to um, is to work with people from diverse backgrounds and to actually learn how to how to, how to work with people from diverse backgrounds. I think that the, the pure technologists sometimes struggle to get their ideas heard or to get Get traction. So, if you want to make a difference, and I, I remember um, a couple of sayings that I've heard in my career. One was an engineer could do for a, a dollar what any fool could do for a hundred dollars. Whether that's relevant in today's dollar terms, I don't know. Um, the other one was that um, someone with a good technical idea is just another person with a good technical technical idea, unless they can convince someone else that it's a good idea. So, you know, I would encourage people to go into into the STEAM area if they if they're going into into a technology space to make sure they keep that balance between being good at the technology and being able to work work with um, with other people and particularly people with diverse backgrounds because uh, in a world where the future is so uncertain, getting the diversity of thought onto the table is really important. Mm. And the combination of critical and conceptual with the diversity of thought is really important there too. Yeah, I agree. And especially with digitization and automation and predictive maintenance, you've got all of these technology tools which can't replace empathy. And so those people skills tend to become even more important as we move towards 2030. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Sort of, sort of interesting, you know, like if you actually sort of think about what you said, you've got digitization and digitization really does replace humans. So when you digitize something, you're taking away a task that used to be done by an individual. Um, I think the trick for us all is to create a new future because if you're going to create a future in Australia that's um, going to be one that you want to leave for your kids, you have to find new ways to generate money. So I think taking that digital world and building new skill sets and building our capability so that we can sell those services somewhere or, it's, or use it some way to generate your income streams to create wealth is um, something that I think you know, everyone needs to think about because digitisation can lead to great new solutions. Um, you've also got to find ways to create different jobs to take to replace the ones you just replied, you just got rid of, basically. Yeah, and putting that in the frame of having a value proposition just puts that all in light. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that um, at a value proposition, it's a it's a really it was one of the yeah you know, look if I look back on my career I I spent I spent um some time at Mount Lyse Business School and I did a course on um a short course on um corporate strategy and that that the value proposition that you that, that a company brings to the table or that an individual brings to the table was one of the really really interesting things that I that that sort of took I took out of that out of that course and um. 
you know, it stuck with me, like a few things that stuck with me and it's been caught on how I go about things. Mm. And um, I think even now, even more so than I, for me of continuous learning and being able to go and learn the things that you need when you need them and then apply them, for me, has been a successful strategy. Like I've never been a fan to sort of go up and do, another, do, a, do a third degree or a fourth degree for the sake of doing a third or fourth degree. I sort of think you've got to, You've got to go and get the information you need to be successful in what you're doing today. Yeah. Asking yourself what value is it going to bring. That's it. Yeah. And Peter, last question. Sure. Looking back, what tips would you give to young people considering a pathway in engineering? Oh, look, it's a great it's a great career. There's never been a better time to be an engineer, in my opinion. Um, it's going to be a re- it's going to be a real transition where you get to create a new future because it. If in the energy sector anyway, um, people that operated in the in the 1930s created the future that we have today. The people who operate in the 2020 to 2040 will create that new future. Um, so the tip I've got is, is is consistent with what I've been saying, which is learn the, learn, learn the technology you need, learn to work with people and have an open mind about how you might apply that to create a better future. Great tips, Peter. And for our listeners, it's never been a better time to start engineering. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Jess. So on behalf of our dream team, if you've enjoyed listening to our career chats, please take some time to rate and review the podcast and share our episodes with people you know so that we can continue to be a source of inspiration for young people. If you want any questions answered, send us a message so we can feature your questions on the Steam Ahead podcast. Head to www.dreambigaustralia.org and let us know what career chats you would like us to have. Chat with you soon.